Man, what a great day to be together in the presence of God, in the house of God. What a great day to come and lay our burdens down, been carrying them too long, let them go, and then to turn our hearts toward the God who so loves us, so loves you. And we are praying, whether you're in this house or at your house, wherever you're joining us, Christ Journey Online, across the nation, around the world, wherever, that you will know the presence of and the blessing of God's peace in your life today. And that's even if you've got your doubts about it. You know, maybe this is your first time here today. Uh, if, you're, if you're a guest with us today or joining us the first time online today, thank you so much. You honor us with your presence. We're grateful for you being here. We've been praying for you before you even got here. And you say, well, I've got my doubts about this place. <laughs> well, so do we. <laughs> but this is a place where we can bring our doubts. And we're asking that God today would just open our eyes, open our hearts, that every person would have reason to be inspired and encouraged from our gathering together today. Um, and I also want to start today with a thank you to our pastors and staff for the solid and commendable job that they do in their work and ministry. I'm telling you, I, I've told several of them personally, I want to say it out loud in front of our congregation today, that because of the excellence and the faithfulness with which our outstanding staff do their work, I'm telling you, it makes it a lot easier for me to actually take a sabbatical and rest. So I want to say to the, wait just a second, wait just a second, then we're going to make a lot of noise. To the admin office, to the worship arts team, to the family ministry leaders, to adult life and groups, to communication and digital and missions and all the property maintenance and the, the AC is working fine, you know. I mean, it's like all of these things matter. And so I want you to join me in saying thank you, God, for the outstanding staff that you have given our congregation. Amen. And then I have to say this because <laughs> the volunteer heartbeat of this congregation through the people who serve with our staff's encouragement and empowerment, I want you to join me in saying thank you to every ministry leader, every ministry servant who serves in every one of those ministry areas today. And we just want to say thank you, God, for the incredible volunteers that help our church be the church wherever we go. Would you say amen? Let's give thanks to God. Amen. And especially those student camp volunteers who are back now after a great week together. <laughs> and then I've got to say, you know, uh, so many of you have let me know of your appreciation for Pastor Ryan and his teaching ministry while I was away. And I want to say thank you so much. What a gift God has given us in the Family Made series, which was fun and timely. He tapped into some of the work of his doctoral ministry and brought it to our congregation. So I want to say, would you join me in saying thank you, Dr. Ryan, for serving our congregation and letting us be lifted with you. Amen. Okay, so you know Ryan. Do I have to tell you that Top Gun, the first Top Gun film is his favorite movie of all time? Do I have to tell you that? And that one of his favorite lines from it is this, hey, son, your ego is writing checks that your body cannot cash. <laughs> Did you know that? 
And so would it be any surprise to you that when Top Gun Maverick came out, he was so excited, comes into my office, he says, hey, Bill, why don't we take the whole staff? And let's, you know, let's rent out the theater and let's take all of our staff and let's go see Top Gun Maverick. It'll be a leadership lesson field trip. <laughs> and then we're going to watch it and we're going to take our notes and said, okay, let's do it. So we did. We went over to Landmark uh, Theater in Merrick Village, you know, the one with all those reclining seats in it. And uh, we, so we gave everybody some snack bar food. So you go and get, you know, all juiced up before we go into the film to experience the film. And I have to say, experience the film. Because you don't just see Maverick. You don't just, you experience it. You enter it. You feel it like this. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. And we're off. Here we go. In three, two, one. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Someone's not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You'll never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Okay, so we experience the film, and then after we come out to that beautiful lobby in that area with the high tops, and we kind of commandeer the space, and we want to do a debrief now. And so Ryan is asking for these little pop-up lessons. What did you see? What We came up with like 20 leadership lessons just like that for leadership impact in our ministries, in our families, in our lives. You know, we're kind of jotting them down. And then before we left, Ryan had this idea that we should all give each other nicknames. <laughs> you know, call signs, 
call sign. Nobody picked their own, just like in naval aviation. Nobody picks their own call sign. Their team picks it because they know them. And so what names you want to know, right? So I can't tell you all of them, but I'll give you a few of them. Like here's one. Stash, Pickles, Big Poppy, Ferret, El Guapo, Stealth. <laughs> Rainmaker, Mother Superior. I mean, the list goes on. I'm telling you, we're serious about this, right? Um, so you're, so you're going to hear some of those leadership lessons are going to be woven in to this message today, like about modeling what you believe and then mentoring others and then multiplying leadership to accomplish your mission. It's, there's, there's a bunch of lessons in here, but the one that has my overarching focus that occurs repeatedly throughout the film to me. Check this out. Maverick, 30 plus years of service, combat medals, citations, only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Distinguished, distinguished, distinguished. Yet you can't get a promotion, you won't retire, and despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. You should be at least a two-star admiral by now, if not a senator. Yet here you are. Captain. Why is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir. This isn't a joke. I asked you a question. I'm where I belong, sir. Well, the Navy doesn't see it that way. Not anymore. These planes you've been testing, Captain, one day, sooner than later, they won't need pilots at all. Pilots that need to sleep, eat, take a Pilots that disobey orders. All you did was buy some time for those men out there. The future is coming, and you're not in it. Escort this man off the base. Take him to his quarters. Wait with him while he packs his gear. I want him on the road to North Island within the hour. North Island, sir? Call came in with impeccable timing, right as I was driving here to ground your ass once and for all. It, it galls me to say it for reasons known only to the Almighty and your guardian angel. You've been called back to Top Gun. Sir? You are dismissed, Captain. The end is inevitable, Maverick. Your kind is headed for extinction. Maybe so, sir, but not today. It's been 30 years since uh, Maverick graduated Top Gun School, and he's now 57. Uh, most would believe he's past his prime. So here's the question. What do you do when that's you in the present and the future is mashing up with your past? That's the question. What do you do when the future is mashing up with your past and that's your present experience? The question the film is raising. 
And there are many leadership angles that we could take with this film. I mean, it is a treat for the imagination. It is full of impossible scenarios with ridiculous uh, proportion. I mean, stuff that it just can't happen in real life. It doesn't happen in real life. But we go to the movie to watch it happen, you know? And it's all through the film. But one of the overriding stories, one of the overriding themes of the entire story, life lesson, seems to be what do you do in the present when your future is putting the squeeze on your past? That's a question we ask, maybe not in those words, but everybody's living that. And I don't mean that this is a story about aging and aging out, though if you live long enough, that happens soon enough. I mean, the gray hairs, they just start showing up. Some, some turn 30 when they see theirs, and, and they're, they wonder this. I've been asked this. What's going on in my life? I thought I'd have more to show for it by now. They roll over into 40, and it's like... Uh, <laughs> Is this what I'm going to be for the rest of my life? Is this how it's going to be? 50 comes and, and it's like, man, where's my life gone? And now Mav is 57. And what we see again and again is him facing his future in the present mashing up with his past. What do I mean? Well, in the opening scene of the film, he is a test pilot and he's flying a prototype space jet. I mean, the future is upon him. He's in the seat, flying the future, right? The space jet of the future is upon him. And it, why? Well, because of his past. He's, he brings his skills, his competencies, his risk-taking courage and all of those things to engage the future that he's currently experiencing in the present. And all of those were gathered where? In his past. And now they're being taken into Mach 10. Still feels the need for speed, doesn't he? He can't resist pushing the envelope even farther. His Achilles heel of insubordination and challenging authority once again is taking him over the top. And the question is, will he survive? Will he come out alive? Now he does in, the, in that situation, even though the laws of physics would say nobody survives ejecting at Mach 10, 7,600 miles per hour. You know, that peels joints and heads and you know no way except when I said that to my grandson West he said unless they're in a secure capsule I said well that would be right <laughs> but, so maybe that's how he made it I don't know but you know no one survives ejecting at Mach 10 plus that very expensive test jet blows to pieces shreds in destruction and yet Mav somehow survives. And so here's what I'm wondering. Is that opening sequence a metaphor for his life? Can I face, this is the story of his life. Can I face what the future is laying before me from the past without blowing something up? Maybe you've wondered that. In a job situation, in a family time, 
in a personal relationship. You know, can I, can I face the future and what the past is squeezing out in the present without blowing something up? Because that seems to be Mav's story. And we see the question again and again as Mav, Pete Mitchell, brings all of his past, all his skills, all his competencies, all his risk-taking courage, and his Achilles heel. It takes it everywhere with him. Defying authority and pride, that's the essence of his past life. And he brings it to bear on the future in the present. And I want to just unpack some of those scenes real quickly because here's the question will he blow it up or will he come out alive will he survive or will he learn and grow to be something more than what the past has given him this is a question we all face isn't it we see it when he becomes a trainer of Top Gun pilots for an impossible combat mission. The question is, is old school sufficient? So he takes the past manual, and what does he do? Throws it away. He's got to face the past as he comes into his present, looking toward the future, and there's a reason for that, but I'm just telling you, the training manual goes in the trash. Okay, then we see it in the romance that he has with Penny. Who's she? Well, we discover she's an on-again, off-again romance love interest from his past right and as the future mashes the past into his present the question is is he going to blow it up like he seems to with charlie from like 30 years ago that took his breath away but where did that go same issue and you know penny's daughter grabs mav and she says now you've broken my mother's heart too many times Blowing stuff up. And then Penny herself grabs him in the eyes and says, don't look at me like that because things always end the same with you. What's that? It's a statement about a past, isn't it? She sees no future relationally in the present because of his past. And then Mav, when he's introduced to his team of potential pilots and he's standing there before them, one of them is Rooster Bradshaw, the son of Mav's wingman, Goose, who died in a training exercise 30 years ago in that first film. They'll keep Phoenix and Bob in the hospital overnight for observation. They're going to be okay. That's good. I've never lost a wingman. You're lucky. Fly long enough, it'll happen. There will be others. Easy for you to say. No wife. No kids. Nobody to mourn you when you burn in. Go home. Let's get some sleep. Why'd you pull my papers at the academy? Why did you stand in my way? You weren't ready. Ready for what? Huh? Ready to fly like you? No. Ready to forget the book. 
Trust your instincts. Don't think. Just do. You think up there, you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Rooster blames Mav for his dad's death. He's the reason that I don't have my dad around. And then he resents him for interfering in his, uh, his own military career. What's happening? Well, Mav's future with Rooster is, it has him in a mashup with his past right there in the present. You see the way that the theme, it seems like just keeps showing up in the, will he fly it or will he blow it up? Later in the story, they find themselves down before enemy lines. I mean, behind enemy lines, Mav and Rooster. And uh, the future is very bleak. Chances are next to none for escape. But Mav does this carpe diem, sees the day, the present, even though the future looks bleak. How? And he literally, he, he flies the past out of the problem. It's an old F-14 that he sees in a hangar that the opposition has and uh, an F-14 fighter jet that they had in the fight. It's the same kind that Mav and Goose were in 30 years before. And here's the point. This is what I saw. The future now opens before them because Mav takes what he has from his past and applies it in the present. Now, lots of stuff blows up in that scene. But one of the things that doesn't is them. <laughs> or their relationship. In fact, it's like Mav has found the son he never had, and Rooster has now found a father in his father's best friend. Now, speaking of best friend, there's one more scenario where I see this same theme playing out. It's when Mav's former nemesis, his competitive opponent, Iceman, played by Val Kilmer, and something has obviously happened between them. Ice has actually become, Mab calls him his wingman. And yet, he's an authority figure. I mean, he's a, an admiral, for goodness sake. And now, Mav respects authority? What's going on? It's a wonderful story. I mean, the film was nominated for six Academy Awards, but the question it asks is just a basic life question, and it's one that we all face as well, isn't it? And it's one that the Bible addresses over and over and over. What do you do in the present when the future is putting the squeeze on your past? How can you ride the wave of your past into an even brighter future without blowing something up in the present. The wrong stuff up. Is there a way to do the impossible, fulfill your mission, and still bring your team out alive and healthy? How do you do it? Well, I'll tell you, Mav's answer has always been pride. <laughs> That's how I do it. Pride. In the first film, I mean, he's, he's got the competence. Remember what the guy told him? He said, son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. He's got a pride issue. It's very apparent to, to people, but it's pride. In the second film, it's got ego, he's got macho, he's got pride going on. And stuff's blowing up around him. In the second film, one of the things that you 
almost immediately notice is there's less bravado. There's more gravitas. There's less machismo, and yet there's more manhood. It feels like there's more masculinity. There's less ego. There's less self-interest. There's less strutting, but there's more substance in the film. Something is happening here. What's going on? I mean, the themes of fatherhood and brotherhood and loyalty and courage are rising like above the clouds and coming into view. For me, the, the, the film's answer to that question about the future and the past and the present comes in the scene where Mav is now visiting ICE. I mean, he's now a four-star admiral. He's the commander of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, and yet he can't speak because he's suffering throat cancer, and that's something that Val Kilmer was fighting in real life at the time. Admiral? That's my wingman. Please, don't worry about me. What can I do for you? Rooster's still angry with me about what I did. I thought eventually he would understand why. I hoped he'd forgive me. The mission is less than three weeks away. The kid's not ready. doesn't want what I have to give. Ice, please. Don't ask me to send someone else to die, please. Don't... Don't ask me to send him. Send me. How do I teach that? 
Even if I could teach it, it's not what Rooster wants. It's not what the Navy wants. That's why they canned me the last time. The only reason I'm here is you. If I send him on this mission, he might never come home. And if I don't send him, he'll never forgive me. Either way, I could lose him forever. Mav's always been a competent pilot. His issue is he's reckless in his rebellion. Pride. His life was an illustration of what the Bible says, actually. You know this verse. Pride goes before stuff blowing up. <laughs> Destruction. And a haughty spirit before a bad landing. This is a truth. This is how it works. And that's why stuff blows up in Mab's life all the time. I mean, it blows up in his work, in his relationships. He's a do-it-yourselfer that's full of himself. And he's finally hit the wall. What was it that brought him to this critical intersection? But well, what it looks like to me is <laughs> he cares. He's caring about people. I mean, he's really caring about people. He cares about Rooster. He really cares. He cares about Penny. This isn't a passing fancy or a on my way to somebody else. He cares about her. He cares about his team. He doesn't want to blow something up and people not to come back alive. but he can't see a way forward. Pride does that to people. Blinds us. I don't see it. Until ice writes it out for him. It's time to let go. You know, let go of what? Well, you gotta let go of pride, let go of trying to control outcomes that are too big for your capacities. Let go of trying to figure it all out. Let go of trying to change other people. It's time to lead by letting go. And Mav says what? I don't know how. Probably the first time he ever said anything like that out loud in front of another person. The greatest battle of his life is the battle with himself. Anybody relate to that? His own pride. Do you know how to win the battle with your own selfish pride? I mean, just saying, if that happened to be an issue. <laughs> do you know what to do about it? Do you know how to get on the other side of that without blowing something up? Without losing a relationship? Without getting dismissed? Do you know how? 
Here it is. Let go. Give it to God. Let go and let God, Almighty and your guardian angel, let go and let God. Here's how the scripture says it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways, let go to him. Submit to him. And then he will pilot you through. This is such a significant lesson. I, in fact, let's read the verse together. All of us, out loud together right now, okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all of your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Hey, this is a great verse for people going off to college, you know? Launching out into another future when your past is going to be squeezed into a new place. This is a great verse for men who happen to find themselves saying, I don't know what to do. You probably don't say it out loud, do you? But if you ever come to that point where you would say, I don't know, what do you do when you don't know what to do? This is the verse right here. This is the verse. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't lean into your own understanding. And then you acknowledge him. You submit to him. You let it go to him. And he, you, you bring him your life and you release it. How do you do that? You do it. You say, Lord, I release my life to your hands. I place my hand in the nail-scarred hand big enough to hold you and then to pilot you through life and death. There's a theme that we also see in the movie Jesus knows how to pilot you through life and death into freedom and maturity. I mean, this is the way, fellow Mandalorians. This is the way to not let pride get in your way and keep you, even as we face our own mortality. And it's coming soon enough. Competence and courage are essential to life. And you got to bring them, but character is the way forward. That's where this is taking us. If you need to know how do I get over guilt from something that I've been carrying in my past and it's blowing something up in my present, this is the way. You let go and you let God show you how to forgive, how to heal. In a male-female relationship that <laughs> you just, you let go and you let God show you how to care for one another in a way that commits beyond self-interest. You let go and you start letting love grow in you and as you let go to having your way. Pride goes down, love rises up in our work, in our relating to one another with those in authority. They're going to be in your life everywhere you go. Somebody is going to have, how do you, you let go of your pride. How do you do that there? Well, you choose a learning posture. You get curious. Instead of just disagreeing in your mind, you say, well, what can I learn here? What is it I'm not seeing yet? Is there a way to enlarge my impact by taking new lessons forward? And you listen from, or like Mav, here's what he said. When it finally dawns on him that he's got the issue, I don't know how. I'm not going to make us all say that out loud. But it's okay to say it. I don't know how. And then what does he do after he says it out loud? He listens and learns from a trusted mentor. Do you have one of those in your life? Do you have anybody in your life who can listen to you say things that you don't normally say out loud? 
but you do it because you know they care about you and because you don't want to keep repeating the same past. There's a better and more productive way to succeed than by butting heads and flying solo. You learn how to fly as a team. You learn how to show up to be somebody else's wingman and let somebody else be your wingman. You, uh, when it comes to the ultimate issue that we all face, death, that shows up in the movie time and again, doesn't it? Your own and people you love, what do you do? Well, you let go, and then you trust God by faith. Somebody said faith is like Wi-Fi. You know, it's invisible, but it has power to connect you with what you need. And we have this place in business today so that you can tap into God's Wi-Fi and find power that you may not know about yet because pride has blinded you. What Mav needed was a power greater than his own that would be at work in his best interest at heart. And guess what? That's what we have in God. Jesus said, you've got a heavenly Father who wants to hear from you and say, thy kingdom come. My kingdom go. And learn the freedom that comes from telling the truth about your own limitations and then step into it. Paul wrote about that promise in this way. He said, we know that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. God is at work for the good of those who love him. He's redeeming, he's weaving all circumstances. That means your past, your present, into an even greater future by his amazing sovereign grace and helping to take us. You're not stuck. That's what that means. You're not helpless. You don't have to keep repeating yesterday's mistakes over and over and over and then pretending like they don't happen and watch stuff blow up until you die. The Alpha and the Omega, Lord over all time and circumstance, in whom we live and move and have our being, is here for you and would like to prepare you to be with him here and there forever. And that's a flight you don't want to miss. God has a bright future for you. You need to bring your competence. You need to bring your courage. But you got to let go of your pride. Let go and let God today. And if you're thinking, but I don't know how, it's as simple and easy. Well, it's hard, isn't it? But as easy as these words, Lord, I release my life to you. Lead me, pilot me as I trust in you. You know what? Last time we were together, we looked at the movie Elf, and we learned from him how you find your father. And the first two steps it said, you got to seek him. Jesus says, seek and you find. What if you don't seek? Can I, can I tell you something? Is this too straight for you? If you don't seek, you won't find. Okay, here's another one. We learned from Elf last week that you got to come as a child. What happens if you don't come as a child? What happens if you mav it up with pride and keep living? What happens? Well, you don't get in. Jesus said the kingdom belongs to people who come as a child. So if you're not seeking, you're not coming, then it may just be that you're going to leave the same way you came in and the difference is not going to be finding you in your future. But if today you were to say, Jesus, I want to let go 
and invite you to pilot me into the future, then he's ready and listening right now. Would you pray with me? What is it that's on your heart? Is it a relationship? Is it a work situation? Is it the next thing on your commitment list in your life? Would you say, Lord, show me what I don't see and so that I don't blow something up unnecessarily, but that you can take me into the future of your design. Thank you for loving me the way you do. Brother, sister, what is it that the Lord is putting his finger on for you? Release that, release that, release that. How do I do it? You just tell him right now in your heart, Lord, I let go. My husband, I release him to you. My wife, my child, my son, my daughter, my work situation. Lord, I let it go and invite you to lead me. And then, friend, if you're realizing that you don't have that kind of relationship with God where he, you sense that he's your personal pilot, then I would like to offer a prayer. Maybe it's the one that you should be praying today. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying on the cross that the barrier of my rebellion, my sins would not hinder my future relationship with you. Forgive my sins. And thank you for rising from the dead so that now your spirit can come alive in my spirit. Come into my life and lead me as I let go and trust you. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Our heads are bowed just for a moment longer. But if you prayed that prayer with me for the first time and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith forward, then I'm going to invite you simply to slip your hand up, keep it up long enough so that I can have a moment to see. And if you're joining us online, please tell us in the chat so that we can pray as well. Thank you right here in the center toward the front and then to my left again and then toward the back on the left. God bless you. Another and another and another toward the front. Amen. And then on the right, I mean, the lights are in my eyes. I can't see everybody, but Amen. Thank you, Lord, for each person who by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open and I'm trusting you. We pray right now that according to your word, you would make yourself known to them in the forgiveness of sin by the peace that passes human understanding, by the joy of salvation. May they sense that the burden has lifted and that they are not alone. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing as our leaders come and help us say yes one more time.